got a lot to live up to after that, so we'll do our best. Yes. Um, and I can confirm that we are indeed the Maldens. Um, and so it, uh, it's not always fun to go back and kind of rehash what we went through about 20 years ago, almost. Uh, but then it's also um, it's a blessing to be able to just reflect on what God's done uh, in our marriage, and certainly nothing special about us, um, but just uh, God in his grace healed our marriage. Uh, I hope that you will take encouragement from the fact that this story that we're about to tell did happen about 18 years ago, and we're still here, right? So uh, if you feel like you're done like we did, there's hope, okay? So... Uh, we've been married 26 years. Uh, we have three boys and one girl. Um, so we got Turner. He's the oldest. He's 17, going to graduate next year. Ezra and then Atticus. And then we had Catlin. Um, so uh, we met in college uh, at Texas A&M University in commerce. Not too so, many Aggies here yeah, tonight. Yeah, there weren't many Aggies this time. Aww. Yeah. So, um, <laughs> so we, uh, we dated for two years, we were engaged for a year after that, and then we got married. But uh, while we were dating, uh, there was a, a tragedy in my life. Uh, my dad was a deputy sheriff, and while we were dating, he was um, injured, he was shot in the head, and uh, miraculously survived that, uh, but he was never the same after that. So as you can imagine, that was devastating for me. And that brought about the beginning of some significant struggles for me um, and some struggles that would impact our marriage um, for several years. So. Absolutely. So we got married pretty much right out of college. And um, our first years were smooth. We didn't have oneness, but we didn't know what oneness was or that that was something we even needed. Um, we did have some foundational issues in addition to the struggles with his um, Shane's dad's injury. We both were children of divorce, so we really didn't have a good picture of what a functional marriage, um, let alone what a godly marriage, would look like. Um, I come from a very large family, and so um, I never really separated from my family and prioritized Shane. I really kind of just added him on to my life. Um, we were both believers. We both trusted in Christ around the age of 14, um, but we weren't connected to the body of Christ, and so we kind of did some church hopping and never really got involved or did anything more than attend. And during that time period, we didn't have children um, until about eight years or so into our marriage. And so we were both working and living for ourselves and just kind of being selfish and, and not really um, serving each other. So my parents divorced when I was about two, and I don't even really remember living with my dad. Uh, I grew up with a stepdad and my mom and a stepsister. Um, my dad worked in Arizona most of the time that I was growing up, and um, and he would come to visit me, uh, you know, once a year. Um, I had a, a really good relationship with my stepdad, but the distance between us um, always left me feeling um, kind of like the, the odd guy out in our family. I was the only one that had the last name Malden. Um, I was one of the few people in my school, small town, that had divorced parents. Um, so... I always viewed my dad as this kind of heroic figure out there in Arizona, in the Wild West, you know, stopping the bad guys. And, and so it was, 
incredibly devastating for me when he was injured because we had really, as I was in college, we really began to connect for the first time. And we would call and we're really getting to know each other. And it was a very um, powerful, powerful thing for me to be able to do that. So when he got hurt, uh, my tendency is to run away from things, to withdraw, to stuff things down. And so about the fourth year of our marriage, uh, four years of doing that, um, I really began to experience some really deep depression, and I began to act out with a lot of anger and rage and a lot of angry outbursts um, uh, to the point where finally um, I started taking um, antidepressants to help with that. It helped with the symptoms. It didn't help with the root of the problem. Uh, I was a teacher, so I was around women all the time, um, and I really began to develop a lot of healthy, uh, in inappropriate relationships with women at work. Unhealthy, unhealthy, yes, thank you. Um, and so I really was uh, trying to medicate the pain that I was feeling uh, by seeking fulfillment through other relationships. Um, and I really was just becoming lonely and isolated. Uh, John 10, 10, Jesus said, the thief has come to steal and to kill and destroy. I've come that you might have life and have it more abundantly. And I wasn't seeking life where I should have been, which is in Christ. Even though I was a believer, um, I was just not following Christ closely. So around the same time that this was happening, my dad got a, he was living in an assisted living facility in California. And uh, he got a case manager who was a believer. And she made it her mission to get me involved in his life again because I had just withdrawn from, from that. And so... That was great, and I'm thankful for it, but it was also very stressful and um, emotionally difficult for me to try to have to face the pain of what had happened to him. So when I think back in, during this time period, um, I think of Proverbs 14.1, that the wise woman builds her house, but with her own hands, the foolish one tears hers down. And at the time, I wouldn't have said that, that I was the foolish one, but looking back, I can definitely see that the way I responded to what Shane was going through made this situation worse and was not um, God-honoring for sure. So at this point, we were leading more separate lives because as Shane had... Um, more anger and outbursts and rage. He was just difficult to be around. Not that it was really turned toward me necessarily. It was, um, you know, more just toward everything that was going on. But it was easier not to be around him than to to really, you know, do what a wife should do and and um, really lean in and, and try to help him. So at this point, I was focused on um, furthering my education. So I went back to grad school um, and then as a result got a promotion. So then I was focused on my career, still spending a lot of time with my family, um, you know, jogging, playing soccer, just basically making myself happy. And at the time didn't realize it, but it was basically looking for happiness everywhere else except for at home with Shane. And so um, I wasn't prioritizing Shane really at all. I mean, I remember a couple of times where one time he was sick at work and I needed, you know, he needed someone to pick him up. And so I was too busy to go do that. And so a, a coworker, a female coworker drove him home. So just where he, he just felt like I was not caring for him. And, and I really wasn't, I was really caring for myself. And so um, I would describe our dynamic during this time as pretty dysfunctional. I was pretty controlling. Um, and so I almost think of it like a parent-child relationship. Um, 
I felt like I was the responsible one and that he was acting um, immaturely. And I just kept waiting for Shane to change. I felt like if he changed and got, you know, through what he was going through, um, then our marriage would be fine. And so I really thought it's his problem. And so as you can tell, I was very prideful and very selfish and really not sympathetic to all the grief that he was dealing with. So um, we know that our culture, you know, says to follow your heart, you know, the heart wants what the heart wants, and, and that's really kind of what I was doing, and it was the complete opposite of Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, where it says, trust in the Lord with all your heart, and lean not on your own understanding, uh, and all your ways acknowledge him, and he will make your path straight. I was just following what I thought was going to be the best way to approach my pain, um, uh, 2002, uh, the injuries that my dad had suffered finally caught up with him and he passed away. Uh, and I really got caught up in identifying with him because uh, I really didn't know him that well, as I said. And uh, as I talked to people that had known him over the years, I began to realize that we were very much alike. And he had a lot of great qualities, as do I. He also had a lot of flaws, as do I. Um, and so I got really caught up in, I mean, we both were prone to depression, um, bad tempers, hot-headed, um, that kind of thing. And all the flaws, I got caught up in just identifying, and I really developed a kind of fatalistic attitude of like, well, this is just the way I am, and I'm like my dad. And so all these dysfunctional behaviors, I just, I didn't have any desire to do anything about them. And so I should have been uh, seeking to identify with Christ, uh, but... In the fall of 2003, a year after my dad had passed away, it was just a really bad, difficult time for me. The anniversary of his passing, uh, my best friend had moved away, so I, and I was unhappy at home, and I began spending more and more time with uh, friends, female friends from uh, work, and all of this led to this kind of big discussion with Alyssa, where I basically just kind of unloaded on her and told her, you know, how unhappy I was, and I wanted to leave, and I blamed it on her, my unhappiness on Alyssa. And I had just become really hard-hearted and calloused uh, towards her, towards the Lord. Um, and I wouldn't even engage in any kind of process of working through it or reconciling. This was pre-re-engage. Uh, and so Alyssa somehow talked me into going to meet with uh, John McGee and Mandy. And so we did. And I just sat there the whole time basically saying, I'm just, I'm done. I wouldn't, I wouldn't even try to make a step towards Alyssa. In my mind, I had my own life, uh, and so I thought I had this plan that leaving would make me happy, and I was not, like I said, I was not following after Christ. Um, and so I stayed in the house for another month or so, sleeping in the guest room, quit wearing my wedding ring, and just avoided home. And finally, I got an apartment and left, and I just kind of bought this, you know, lie that I was taking care of myself and, and doing what was good for me. And, um, and so Alyssa will take up the story from there. Yes. So um, when I realized when Shane had this big conversation with me and told me the extent of his unhappiness and that he um, now is considering, you know, separation and divorce, I mean, it was just, it was awful. Anyway, so many years ago, but it was awful. Um, but I really was devastated and broken. I think because my parents had been divorced, it was like my worst nightmare was coming true. It was happening to me. And so... Um, 
goodness, sorry. Um, but I just know and I remember that God just really met me in my pain and that I um, surrendered to him fully. I think even though I had been a Christian at that point for probably 16 years or so or more, um, I really wasn't walking with him and I was still the one in control. And so that this circumstance just caused me to like, okay, God, I'm just laying it down. I can't do this on my own anymore. And so I learned that God is enough and that um, my hope has to be in him. And um, the Sunday when Shane moved out, the, I read a verse in Isaiah, Isaiah 43, 18 and 19, that um, says, forget the former things, do not dwell on the past. See, I'm doing a new thing. Now it springs up. Do you not perceive it? I'm making a way in the desert and streams in the wasteland. And so even though I knew that that didn't like give me a promise that, oh, the marriage was going to be fine and he's going to fix that, it really um, made me realize like God is doing a new thing in my life. And so no matter what happens with Shane, what happens with the marriage, like God is doing something in me um, that's new and that is, he's drawing me close to him. And so I did draw a lot closer to God. Suffering tends to do that to people. Um, and so I was reading the Bible. Um, I remember I had just verses on note cards at work and I would just flip through them. Just a lot of verses from the Psalms, a lot of things just to comfort me and remind me of truth. Um, I was praying. I was at the point where I couldn't get out of bed without praying first. And so just continually praying and then finally, um, obeying God. And so I had been at that point attending Watermark for about two years, but I had not um, joined as a member or really gotten involved beyond just attending on Sunday. And I remember thinking, well, I'm going to wait because Shane wasn't going with me at that time to Watermark. And I was like, I'm going to wait till he's ready and then I'll join. So that was kind of my excuse for not um, really obeying what God wanted me to do. So um, that this time I joined a women's Bible study that I was welcomed into um, and just really finally for the first time understood what the body of Christ was all about and just the love those ladies showered on me during this hard time, even though I was a stranger to them, just being a sister in Christ, um, seeing the love of the body of Christ was amazing. Um, I also had never been, um, besides my baptism as an infant, I had not publicly been baptized um, after I had trusted in Christ. And so got baptized um, and prayed that God would just help me to walk with him faithfully and then joined the church and kind of was all in for the first time. It was, it was really a point of total surrender. And so um, during this time, because we had met with Mandy and John, even though Shane wouldn't, wouldn't go back and continue um, talking with them, um, and again, this was before we engaged, so Mandy graciously met with me once a week during the separation with another um, girl from church who had been through a similar situation and um, just shared with me really wise counsel, of course, from the Bible about loving Shane regardless of his response. And um, Mandy just encouraged me to be a friend and a wife to him and really kind of had to teach me, like, what does that mean to be a wife? And I was so angry and broken and upset at him that he had left me um, that, you know, it was hard to be loving toward him. But, um, you know, she encouraged me to make it easy for him to come back, whereas I was getting advice from other people um, basically, like, change the locks, get his name off your, the bank account. You know, you don't have kids yet, so it's really not a big deal. You'll go on and find someone else. So thankful that I had that biblical grounding um, for sure. And so 
we would just kind of brainstorm ways that I could encourage Shane during this time. So I remember writing him cards and notes and mailing those to him, just letting him know I was praying for him because I think God really just revealed to me that as broken as I was by this, that I would rather be in my spot than where he was, which was just such a place of grief and brokenness and, and rebellion. And so that helped me just to have an empathy for him, and I know that was from the Lord. So just some practical ways that I was loving to him during our separation um, was that I would use a love, I was encouraged to use a loving tone when he called, whereas I wanted to be like, you know, um, but just to be loving with my, my tone when he called was a big one. Um, I was encouraged to um, do some acts of kindness for him, which at this point, it was the fall, but he was still coming back to our house, mowing our yard every other week or so. And so we kind of brainstormed <laughs> what I could do um, to be loving to him when he came back and mowed the yard, right? Because it was still hot outside, and um, even though it was October. But, um, and so we, we thought about, let's make him a glass of ice water, and while he's mowing, bring it out to him, because that will be an act of kindness. And um, so I got the ice water ready, put it in the fridge. And this was very, like, before when he was mowing the lawn, I never would have even stopped what I was doing to go, you know, do anything kind for him. So this was out of the norm. But um, so I went out, brought him the ice water that I had so carefully prepared, and he took a sip of it, and he was like, this is too cold. <laughs> Makes my teeth hurt. Like, just complained about the ice water. And, I said and it so, a lot more rudely than that. Well, I tried, but yeah. Um, but it was, and so it really, because of the counsel that I had been getting, instead of me lashing back at him and, like, throwing it at him or whatever, I was able to just be like, oh, okay. You know, I just didn't take, I was like, I'm so sorry. I'll leave it on the counter instead of the fridge. I mean, instead of in the fridge so it won't be so cold. And, and that was like a miracle that I responded that way because that was in my flesh. I would not have done that. Um, and, so, and then we had a good laugh about it the next time we met just because it was pretty funny and we laugh about it now. But anyway, um, <laughs> I also was encouraged to listen to his problems and his issues with me without talking about my hurts and needs and then trusting that God would provide the right time. So when he, he wanted to kind of unload on me when I would see him about everything I had done wrong in the marriage and so just to... Um, to listen and to um, ask for forgiveness and not to come back at him with my own list of all the ways he had wronged me. And, and God did provide a, a time when I was able, to, we were happy, able to have that honest communication where I was able to, to share my hurt. It just wasn't at that, that particular moment. Um, I think a turning point for us was when um, there was a night when I was alone, that I just had all this grief about the marriage, and I was like, what am I supposed to do with all this grief? You know, it was just overwhelming me and suffocating me, and it really got opened my eyes that this is what Shane's been carrying around about his dad for so long, and you haven't even really been sympathetic toward that or understood that, and so, you know, I was able to apologize and ask for forgiveness for not understanding his grief, um, and basically, through the whole process, I think um, the counsel that I got was just, it just helped me to see my part in it more because I, I, it, Shane was really looked like the bad guy. I mean, he was the one who wouldn't go to counseling. He's the one who moved out. He's the one who was acting kind of crazy. Um, and so it was easy for me to look like, you know, the good person in the marriage. But God just sweetly and gently um, and slowly, it was a slow process, but revealed to me like what, what. I had contributed to the problem. And so I won't say that my responses throughout this time were always completely perfect, 
but they were much different than they would have been without the Holy Spirit and without that godly um, and biblical wisdom that was being poured into me during that time. So as I look back at that, it was an extremely painful time um, and probably the most painful time I've had, but a very sweet time of trusting God. I've never been closer to him um, at that point in my life. And so just seeing his hand at work in our lives, even in the brokenness, and it just seemed like every day he would send some kind of encouragement to me to help me to get through the day. And so I think of the verse, um, Psalm 57, 1, and this helped me during this time. It says, I will take refuge in the shadow of your wings until the disaster has passed. So when we, whenever we share our story, this is where I always give a shout out to Mandy. She's never, but this is the first time she's actually been here when I, and when I, where I can say thank you to Mandy for just continuing to speak truth to Alyssa and uh, just giving her biblical wisdom um, during that time. And I will say that the things that Alyssa was doing to try to show me love made a difference, right? And I couldn't necessarily see it at the time, um, but it did. It mattered. And so if you're kind of in that place, be encouraged by that. Um, it took time, but um, it made a difference. Uh, so while all that was going on, I was living in my little um, efficiency apartment, living this great life that I thought I was going to have. And I will just say that, like, if if my plan was some kind of investment plan or fitness workout plan that I was going to try to sell to you or that someone was selling to you, I would be the person telling you, dude, do not do that plan. It does not work, okay? Because what I found was the, the great life I thought I was going to have was just the continued emptiness, pain, sadness, right? Still unhappy. Everything was falling apart for me. My behavior was kind of wheels off, and uh, it was affecting work. Um, you know, it was hurting my reputation, affecting my job. Um, and... Um, I was just sitting, I was laying in bed one night in, in my little apartment, and um, I think the Holy Spirit just, just prompted me, and I, God reminded me of the, the parable of the prodigal son, and uh, where he, you know, he went to his father, he said, I, I'm out of here, I want my inheritance, he went and squandered it with wild living, and then found himself just in misery, feeding pigs and starving, and he just said, you know, I need to just go home, and I think... There were two, two things that God, you know, was impressing upon me. One, I needed to go home. I, I was supposed to be home with Alyssa. Two, I needed to come back home to him, right, because I had really wandered from him. And so I think that night I called Alyssa. We were just talking, and I think I asked her if she wanted to go see, go see a movie. Um, and so we kind of started, started that uh, just process of kind of dating again and, uh, it kind of began the process of talking more and, and, and the process of coming back together and me uh, coming back home. And um, we went, we're at the mall one night. We bought these shirts. We had them made that said, you know, I heart Alyssa. And she had one that said, I heart Shane. And we would wear them around. And people always love it. And we used to wear them when we'd tell our story. But I think they just shrunk over the years, you know. Um, <laughs> but I... I pulled it out the other day, and it's been washed so many times, the little heart was coming off, like the heart part was like wearing off, and and I, because I, I was going to wear it, I'll wear it every now and then, and I thought, and I saw that heart, and I was like, no, that's not going to work, like, the heart's not there, so we're not wearing that shirt anymore, so um, <laughs> anyway, um, it really began, that was a process of um, 
us coming back home, and then also to the process of me uh, as we began, and she'll talk more about it, but as we began to get involved at Watermark, uh, there were people that God put in my life to help encourage me uh, in my walk. And so um, that was probably the most miserable uh, time that I have ever had in my life. And, you know, that's the part that's hard to look back on and, and hear the pain that Alyssa went through because of my behavior and the choices that I made. Um, so... Take it away. Yeah. Okay. So Shane mentioned we kind of started dating again and, and getting to know each other again, spending time together. And definitely when I imagined what it would be like when he did move back in, you know, and come back home, you know, I pictured sort of this like him, he would fall on his knees and beg for forgiveness. And I'd be like, yes, I forgive you. You can come home. And that's not the way it happened. So it wasn't all, so it was really just a process of him kind of you know, dating, 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 and finally kind of moving back in. But even when he moved back back home, it wasn't all fixed. You know, we were still having problems communicating. Um, it was still lacking, our communication was, and it really was still due to kind of still that selfishness of not really understanding where the other person was coming from. Um, at this point, I had a lot of anxiety that he would leave again because some things hadn't really changed. Um, you know, he still hadn't completely cut off the friendships at work. He wasn't yet in the place where he was coming to church with me. And Psalm 112.7 just reassured me. It says, he will have no fear of bad news. His heart is steadfast, trusting in the Lord. So I knew I still had to just completely trust in the Lord, regardless of what happened. And so during this time period, kind of what helped us to grow, first of all, was God changing our hearts and softening our hearts toward him and toward each other. We were invited to join a community group here at Watermark. And so Shane did join the community. We did. We were able to do that. And kind of um, with the other couples in the group, they were really sensitive to our situation and just were so kind and loving to us. And we became the Maldens. You know, we were one of the couples. We had an identity and just a lot of love from that group and our community group since then that helped, um, helped us in our marriage. And then about a year after we reconciled, we had our oldest son, Turner, and I think having um, a child and just like we are going to raise him to know and follow the Lord. I think that's part of what brought Shane back to church, plus the love of the community group encouraged him. And so we were kind of had this mission together with Turner and then our other three kids as well. Um, and then when Reengage was first starting, we were asked to come to kind of the initial meeting of brainstorming what could Reengage look like. And, and um, we weren't asked to do that. This was about a year and a half after we reconciled. We weren't asked because all of a sudden we had these great counseling skills or something. It was because they were like, okay, you were really wheels off. What could we, what, how could Reengage have helped you if we had Reengage at that time? Give like, us the insight. I like to think we helped inspire this ministry. Uh, you know. Yeah, because I think at that time we were like the, the couple who was whew, yeah. way off, off track there. So, and then, you know, we were asked to lead and re-engage. You know, John McGee took a leap of faith, and, and it's just been amazing how God has used the curriculum and our being in a leadership role and just continually reminding us of truth. And, and um, we definitely, when we are leading re-engage groups, that is the strongest we are in our marriage, for sure. We have to work really if we're not leading a re-engaged group, we have to keep all of those principles at the front of our mind for sure. Yeah. So to kind of wrap this thing up, um, you know, it took a long time uh, for me to, to really begin to understand the pain that I put Alyssa through. And even a couple, a few years after we had 
reconciled. And during that time, God was working on my heart using men here at Watermark um, and just all the ways that he does um, to really open my eyes to that. And so um, Ephesians 5.25, husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. Um, that's, you know, that's the focus of, of my um, life as a husband and a follower of Christ and a dad. Um, and so over time, um, our relationship has just gotten stronger. Um, and I will say, I was reflecting on this on the way here tonight. Like when I did those acts of service toward him and kindness and that kind of thing, he blows it out of the water now. Like he is so loving and kind and he's the one that's serving. I have, you know, it's really almost like the tables have turned. I, he really is the one who pursues me and pursues our relationship and just does kind things all the time. So like there was like one Dr. Pepper Zero left in the fridge the other day and I left it in there because I knew you would want that. Uh, so it wasn't too cold. It wasn't right. too cold. So, yeah. So John, listen, John 15, five, Jesus said, I'm the vine, you're the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you'll bear much fruit. And apart from me, you can do nothing. So like we haven't arrived. Okay. So in the intervening years between like this time and now, um, I mean, there's been miscarriages, there's been periods of unemployment, there's been different seasons of work where it's changed, you know, how much time we're able to spend together, all these things. But nobody's going anywhere, right? Like whatever comes our way, nobody's looking at the door with one foot towards it, right? That's done. That, that plan didn't work. And we're not doing that again. But this only works if we're abiding in Christ, right? And so we're continually, you know, being conformed to his image, right, as we walk with him. And we've learned, and I'm just going to read this because it's more eloquent than me just trying to talk off the cuff. When we, we've learned that when we're both pursuing our relationship with Christ, we tend to respond to each other in ways that foster oneness. Uh, when we are not abiding in Christ, the opposite is true. And so we know that marital problems are really spiritual problems. And so we strive to pursue Christ and to pursue each other. And, and let me just tell you, it's been... Like, there have been times when I've seen Mandy here at church. We had her kids. We were dropping them off, and I would just parade them in front of her because she saw us when we were done, right? And we didn't have the, the kids weren't even there, and I just would parade them in front of her and just say, look, this is fruit of your faithfulness of speaking truth uh, to Alyssa. So um, I'm so thankful for Mandy and, and just the way that she spoke into Alyssa's life. I'm even more thankful that Alyssa took that biblical wisdom and was faithful with it and acted on it and tried to show me love at a time when there was nothing lovable about me, right? And yeah. so you can talk about how great I am now, but, yeah. but you, still, you still win in that. Well, we are thankful that we are where we are now and not where yes. we were then. So yes. thank you so, so much. Yes. We're very long. Thank you. Yes. 